and look at it as just one thing, as a term that everybody knows, ROI, which is the return on your investment. I mean, that's the business we're in. We purchase, we make it an investment of what every month? Of leads. I would write that check and through lead aggregation or whether you have in-house canvassing teams, whatever it may be, shows we're spending that money, every company. And that's the investment we make. And what are we hoping for? We want to get a return on that investment. So we got to measure both things. What does it cost us to put a lead out on the street? How efficient do we do, do that job? And you know, what, what is the parameter, the KPI, the key performance indicator that we use to measure that return on investment? This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And I'm here with my friend, Mark Curry, who, for those of you that can see him, he is sitting in his castle room, hidden away in Churchill's hideaway, his new office. Those of you that saw the Red Door video will kind of have a sense of what I'm talking about. But Mark, thanks for being here. Welcome. Thank you. For those of you that can't see, so he's got behind him is like a stone wall. He looks like, where do you look like you are? You're like in 17th century England right? Or 16th century England. He's got a armed guard in full armor protecting him. There are two lanterns on either side, you know, candle powered, you know, fire lanterns behind him. And he's got a cigar and he's got a room full of uh, wine behind him. So he's a happy guy, I think right now. Would you say, is that an accurate assessment of Mark Curry at this moment? Well, yes. I'm (laughs) I'm happy. I'm still a work in progress, and I'm certainly without my not without my challenges and problems like everybody else. But yeah, I'm working at it. Yeah. So Mark is my a partner in crime for this thing we, we do called the Profit Workshop. We've done it twice. I was just telling Mark, and I think it's an interesting place to start. I was just telling Mark about a meeting I had with one of the attendees last week, I believe it was, and we were planning for 2023. And, you know, they they grew a lot during the, I'll set this up as they grew a lot during the COVID boom, a lot. And unfortunately, he took on debt. And anything that might be going to the bottom line is actually going out in debt payments. But hopefully that will be over in six months or so. And he could start actually like putting the money in his pocket. But what I found interesting, Mark, as we were going through his numbers, his most recent Q4 numbers, and then thinking of planning for next year is his sales numbers are down. What's saving him is his backlog. And I think his sales numbers are somewhere in the, it is the time of year too. It's, you know, the holidays, it's the end of the year. So it's traditionally not the best time of year for selling, but they're down quite a bit. I think he's at five or 600 
a month in sales, but a million in installs. And so the installs are backlog that's essentially saving him right now. But what happens when, you know, what happens when that the not enough sales now catches up? How is that going to impact the business? And I and I think that he's not might not be the only one that's in that situation. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I think it goes back to you know the core issue of people really understanding that the business that we're in, as it relates to our type of business model and our industry of direct and home selling, where there's a lag, whether it's two months, three months from point of sale to time of actually realizing the revenue and the cash coming in, right? It's it's unlike the retail business where there's a direct correlation to foot traffic and activity and your income, right? You know, retail stores like a Sam's Club, a Home Depot, a Lowe's, they know seasonally throughout every week, every month throughout the year, what their foot traffic is. And there's a direct correlation between that activity, that foot traffic and the amount of sales they're gonna have for the day, for the week, for the month. With us, that uh, there is a correlation, but there's that time lag. What we do today, we don't see the results of until say two months later, right? So when do we, we purchase sales? Our sales acquisition happens today, this month. And we spend money on leads. We send salespeople out to homes. We pay commission. We incur material costs the following month. So you have all that expense and you don't see the what it yields in terms of the benefit that the, uh, the revenue until a period of time thereafter. So you have that time delay. To, to simplify it, look at it this way, and I've said this before in our profit workshops that we conduct together, Brian, and that is the most profitable time that any business has in our industry is when it's essentially going out of business or meaning when it's declining in terms of sales because the leads aren't coming in this month, right? Let's say as an example. So you're not spending as much money on marketing. Your sales are net sales are lower this month. So you have less commissions being paid out. But when you look at your revenue being installed this month, it's a result of uh, a stellar month of sales from net sales from two months ago. So you're realizing all that revenue top line with lower expenses. And you could still right here today, you know, for the next few months look very profitable and think, right, despite the fact that things are slowing down, I'm still making some good money. But that's not the whole story. The reality of it is three months later, you know, coming into the, maybe perhaps the first quarter of next year, you're gonna see these low install revenue, you know, your backlog, you're chewing through your backlog. And so that'll catch up to you. Conversely, on the other side, the flip side of that coin is the least profitable time for a business of ours is when you're in a growth mode because you're purchasing those sales now. You're spending all that money on leads and, and commissions and hiring personnel, turnover, what have you. And you're not seeing the revenue you know, come in until, you know, again, two to three months later. Make sense? Makes sense. So it's difficult to manage that. It's a constant of, you know, I've got good sales months, I've got bad sales months, I've got 
high marketing costs and high commission costs this month. I've got to put out money for materials. It's a constant balancing act. How do you manage to that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I don't think it's as complicated as you might think. I mean, it all starts with having a good sound profit and loss model, right? How your company is built out. What is your multiplier on your materials called the COGS? That's going to determine your gross margins, your cost per issue lead, setting up your chart accounts the right way and what have you. So you have your business model. You know what commissions, percentage you're spending. And what you're determining then beyond all that is your overhead. You know, how big is your ship and in terms of overhead? And once you have that model built out, frozen in time, if you will, you say, all right, if I do X number of dollars, my business model doing X, let's just say it's, you know, $10 million a year. Then you got a, you know, $2 million overhead, 20% overheads. You know, that's your, that's your starting point right there. That's your business model. Then there's going to be fluctuations as you go throughout the year, you know, good months, you know, beyond what your plan is. And then other, in terms of sales, net sales, and then some months that maybe not as good. So you have this variable, this fluctuation beyond your business plan. When I say your model, that's your, your one integrated plan, whether, you know, perhaps, you know, a lot of the listeners are using EOS. So you built that your one year, your three year, your 10 year plan. So you have your, your plan, you break it down in quarters, you know, little mini years, we call them 13 weeks. And you'll have those fluctuations of, in sales. You also then have the fluctuations of your installs. So the nature of your question is here you have this variable of sales above and below your plan in any given month and likewise with your installs. So what we typically do, what we talk about in our profit workshops that we do is each month you can write the ship in a sense. I say that meaning make a, a course correction or take a, a look at where you're really at so you don't panic. And you take your PL, export it from, say, whatever CRM you're using uh, or software, say it's QuickBooks. You have it in a spreadsheet and you would, you got all your expenses for that month that are real, okay, that are tied. Most of those expenses are going to be tied, like your marketing costs, to the sales that you purchased that, that month. Then what you do is just, at the risk of complicating this, is delete the top line. Delete your revenue, your installed revenue. Just erase it out of that cell. And then what you put into that cell is your net sales for the month. Now you need to do just one other thing. The COGS on your PL, your material and labor costs, was all tied to that revenue that you deleted, remember. So just delete your COGS and put in whatever it should be based on your model. Right. If you have a two and a half multiplier on your materials and labor, that's 40%. So you just put 40% in to that spreadsheet. And then you have a, a corrected PL in, in real time. So hopefully that makes sense. You're saying hey, that answers, by the way, you know, remember I told you before we turned on the recording, I had a question for you. And that was it. You just answered it. So it's a reconciling based on actual sales, not on the actual revenue that was that was installed. Now, 
A lot of people don't do that. So let's talk about this. So I want to get your take on this. So next year, it's already started, I think. As we record this, we're in the middle of December. It's already started. Lead costs are going up. And that generally happens in markets like this where there aren't as many leads out there. There'll be less and there's more people fighting for those leads. So the lead costs will go up. How do you recommend people that now, you know, this will go out early enough in the year where they could start to think about, well, how do I deal with that? How do I deal with the fact that leads are going to go, costs are going to go up and they're going to get more competitive? Yeah. So great question. My thoughts on this is that in the past, we'll call it post-COVID since 2020, right? Everybody's been talking about how a rising tide lifts all ships. So we've all benefited from it. Companies that run what I call very tight, very systematic, where uh, they engineer their success and how it happens by design. But then there's other companies that, you know, have been successful almost through accident, through default, you know, because it's just hard not to make money over the past few years. It's hard not to grow your business the way things have been. It's just the environment in our industry. Now, what that means is everybody's been on what I call corn-fed veal. The salespeople have high NSLIs. They became, you know, um, you know, maybe they lost. Their, I'm not saying that they everybody converted into being an order taker, but it, yeah, the scales may have leaned that way somewhat, right? They lost their fighting edge. But it's not just with the sales force. It's also with the lead center, your, your scheduling department or your call center. Same thing there. You know, are they really closers? You know, we, me and some of my team members, we've been at this gig for a really long time. And uh, we recently had our director of marketing do a random sample. It was a couple of months ago of about uh, 20 calls. He listened to them on the uh, recording in our uh, call center and thought, holy heck, we only wish the leads were this easy to come by, you know, 20 some years ago. <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, they're just coming in softballs across center plate and we're knocking them out the, out of the field, you know, out of the arena every time. So even our callers have been order takers. So when things tighten up, where the environment changes a little bit and the leads are not as plentiful, you know, or maybe the question is, is that the lead flow really slowing down as much as our conversions in the call center have just weakened because we have more of an order-taking mentality there. So that's where we have to remind ourselves we're in the value-added selling business. You know, what do we do? We're not order-takers. So the call center needs to sharpen their, their sword, all right? And by having higher conversions, what's that going to do? That's going to lower your cost per issue lead. By the same token, we have to sharpen the sword of our salespeople. It's not as easy as to close that deal. Interest rates are higher. The, the lenders that we all use are being a little more restrictive. You know, we can't uh, just go out there and offer 24 months, same as cash type of thing. All those programs are tightening up. So it comes back to the salesperson, uh, you know, not having that path of least resistance anymore. So we got to put them back in the top gun school on the sales side, as well as on the call center side. 
So if we drive that NSLI up and maintain it, what it has been over the past few years, and keep that cost per issue lean down where it has been, then you divide one by the other, which is the definition of marketing costs. Your cost of the lead, fully loaded, divided by your NSLI, just on one lead, and that's going to be the marketing percentage on your PL. So I think it's time now, you know, that's why I refer to this era that we're in. We're on the cusp of, of the great purge. You know, the companies that understand that and going to, you know, through training, remedial training, sharpening the swords of our sales force as well as our call center are going to be the ones that are not just going to survive the winter that is coming, but it, they're going to they're going to actually prosper, I believe, not just maintain, but really continue to grow as other people you know, fall to the wayside. Anyway, that's my philosophy. Yeah. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack, you owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. You brought up an SLI. Some people aren't as familiar with what an SLI is and what its importance is. Can you talk a little bit about NSLI? Yeah, so, you know, there's a number of companies who call it like a slugging percentage or NSLI, whatever acronym you want to put to it. NSLI, by the way, stands for net sale per lead issue. But I'm a big advocate of just trying to keep things simple and dumbing it down in terms of the concept, right? And look at it as just one thing, is a term that everybody knows. ROI, which is the return on your investment. I mean, that's the business we're in. We purchase, we make it an investment of what every month? Of leads. You know, we write that check and through lead aggregation or whether you have in-house canvassing teams, whatever it may be, shows we're spending that money, every company. And that's the investment we make. And what are we hoping for? We want to get a return on that investment. So we got to measure both things. What does it cost us to put a lead out on the street? How efficient do we do, do that job? And you know, what, what is the parameter, the KPI, the key performance indicator that we use to measure that return on investment? And that is the net sale on that lead. So simple math is if I issued uh, 10 leads to a sales rep and they net it out, not gross sales, but net it out, $30,000. You would take 30,000 and divide it by those 10 leads and you would come up with $3,000 per lead, right? If the lead cost me to issue $300, 
just keeping the math simple. And my return on the investment was 3,000. Well, then my marketing cost was 10% in that example. Okay. And so <laughs> there's a few things there. In order to be successful going forward, we have to go back to where we were five years ago, 10 years ago, and that is train, train, train. Call center, salespeople, every lead should be treated as gold. What the NSLI is telling you, NSLI is your is one of your scorecards. It's telling you how effective your salespeople are in the house. Am I correct in that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then so when we measure marketing cost against that NSLI, we want to be in a position where whatever you budgeted, whether it's 8%, 10%, 20%, 15%, whatever it is, that those things match up. And I think what happens a lot is, you know, Charlie Gundell at Accelerate this in February, the, the one coming up is going to be talking about these topics. And I think he's not going to be the only one. I think we're going to have two or three speakers that are going to overlap on the same idea of we've got to get more efficient with every lead that comes in. And we can't allow salespeople to just go and do whatever they want to do. There's a lack of sales management out there. It's a time to get serious again about the numbers and the tracking KPIs. How do you guys do it at Revelaire? How do you keep your people accountable? And keep in mind too, I mean, you're a larger, very sophisticated organization. How did you do it, you know, when you were three years in and you were a much smaller company? Well, the template's the same. You know, the yeah. formula is the same, right? The numbers are the numbers, regardless of the size of your business. And what I mean by that, again, at the risk of oversimplifying things, but, uh, but I think there's some really value top level with starting with simplicity, right? So what, what business are we in? And I look at it as though we have three machines. And one of those machines is called the marketing machine. You know, the raw leads that we purchase, the conversion in our call center. But it's a machine and, you know, it has a certain amount of horsepower. Some companies have a better horsepower rating on that machine than others, right? So you got to measure the efficiency of that marketing machine that generates leads. The second machine is the sales machine. How efficient is that? You know, one of the key, you know, performance indicators that we've already talked about there, and that's a simple machine to measure because it's just tied to that return on the investment, that NSLI or slugging percentage or what have you. And again, people talk about closing percentage, retention, average sale. But when you put all that in Blender, you know, it comes out to be what we call at Revelier Kitchens, the NSLI. And that's a term that, of course, a lot of our industry is, is familiar with. The third machine is what I call contract fulfillment, right? <laughs> we, we can't just market the hell out of things and make a lot of sales and then you know, give ourselves a ticker tape parade. We need to install this stuff. And that machine has to be efficient. You know, what is 
you know, we measured the reviews, how many reviews we're asking for, how many we get in return, five-star Google reviews. What is your, your cycle time from contract being sold to all the way through to collecting the money and having a happy customer, right? There's, it goes through a, maybe a measure technician, if you have those, and your administration fighting to get the, those deals purchased. And I say purchase, getting the, the loan approved, you know, procuring funding for the deal. Placing the order with the suppliers, the efficiency, having jobs come in that have been shorted of materials, what have you, all your vendor selection, your installers, your best practices. So that third machine, which doesn't get talked about much, right? Because right. typically we're always talking about the first two machines of marketing and sales. But, yeah. but that third machine, what's interesting is uh, it also has to operate very efficiently because if we take the eyes off of that, that becomes a real distraction. You know, you get, you know, whether it's an AG complaint, a consumer complaint of some sort, you know, the owners or the top level management get pulled into those things. And it's a real time vampire. And once the focus is taken away from driving marketing sales and you're shipping personnel over to focus on the mishaps of uh, contract fulfillment, you know, installation related issues. This is where, you know, we, we tend to lose our, our way. We're jumping around like spit in a frying pan from this to that to another thing, right? It's, it's the crisis of the day. So I think top level, it starts with looking at those three separate categories or silos I just laid out. Now, how we measure that is through our weekly, uh, we call them BPR, business plan reviews we do every Thursday morning at eight o'clock. It's the only real meeting that I as a business owner attend in my business each week. And if you prescribe to EOS, it's what's referred to as the level 10 meeting. They're structured very similar, but we have for those 13 weeks each quarter, we know what our, our goals are, our plan. We call it the integrated plan. And every executive team is there, the person running, each one of those three machines. And, and then there's some, some sub-level management also that participates in those uh, meetings. But everybody has their scorecard, right? One of our guiding principles is if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So we got to start by having those metrics in place. What is it that we're measuring as it relates to our, our plan? And they speak. They have five minutes to do a slide presentation, get before their peers, and let them know where they stand this week in relation to the plan. And they're either green, meaning they're exceeding plan, or they, their bar graph shows red. And it's okay, it's a safe space. They can show red as long as they have an explanation as to why it's red and what their plan is to, to remedy that situation within the next week. Yeah. Yeah, and the key thing there, and I knew you were gonna say this, and part of the reason why I asked is because that process hasn't changed regardless of when you were doing a million dollars a year, a million dollars a month, or now a million dollars a week. It's the same, you know, it's the same structure. It is. It really yeah. is. Yeah, those fundamentals are always in place. And, you know, you can be a hundred million dollar size company and still be loose as a goose and it could be a complete train wreck. Yeah. 
or it could be very tight and systematic. And, and whether you're $100 million, that, that statement I just made still can apply to a company only doing $5 million. Right. The three machines, I'm glad you, you made that analogy. I'm actually at Accelerate, I'm actually going to do a presentation. One of my presentations is going to be around this idea of constraints. And so you've got, you know, your machines or the systems within the business. And what's interesting is, and you and I see this a lot, is the machine, if you are the owner of the company and you're working inside of the machine, it's very difficult to do the things that need to be done to improve the machine because you're, you're in it. So, you know, we've got owners that are running leads. Well, look, if you have to run leads, you have to run leads. But at, you know, pretty quickly, you've got to pull yourself out of that so that you can build this machine and then you can manage the machine and then you can improve the machine and then break it and improve it and break it and improve it. And it's constant levels of improvement. It's very difficult to do that from inside. And I think too many owners get themselves stuck in one of those machines and they have a hard time getting themselves out of it. What would you say to, what would you say to that? Yeah. Well, and this is something that you've seen a lot with your clients and, and I have seen the same thing in conversations that I have in some of the consultant work that I do with people. The question always is the proverbial question is when do I get a sales manager or, you know, I'm thinking about hiring another administrator or, or I'm scheduling the jobs myself, you know, and I need to get a production manager to do that. But, you know, what revenue do I need to be at to do? When, when do I do that? And that's always the question and I get. And I would tell you the first 10 or 15 times, I probably fielded that question. Yeah. I, I think I gave bad advice, you know, to people. You know, it was, uh, I ill-advised them uh, unintentionally, of course. But, but I got you know, reflecting on it and looking at my own experiences, right? The, the one business I had years ago was something I purchased where it was a turnaround, but the business I have here today was something, you know, I start, started from scratch and I went through that. You know, there was a time when I started this business, you know, that I was on the phone setting the leads, even ran a couple appointments and what have you. So, you know, I had to you know, reflect on my own experience. And the answer is really simple. And that is, it's a matter of putting your focus mentally on that. And you know me well enough, Brian, right? Uh, just quantitatively, right? More than measure everything. And this is not something, this is more in your world. This is not something that you're going to measure or look at numbers with. This is a mindset. And that mindset's got to be one of which, holy hell, I got to get out of the field selling. I'll never grow this thing if I'm in the field running leads. Or why am I dealing with this problem customer right now? Okay, I need somebody else to do this. So my mindset is always going to be towards how do I backfill myself? And it's always been that. It's a progressive thing. It doesn't stop, right? Because the idea, it's easy to say, hey, I want a business that works for me. I don't want to be working for it. Does the business own you or do you own that? Right. We always have those conversations over the years. It's all very top level, but how does that really manifest itself in terms of reality? And it is strictly a mindset. 
You know, there's no numbers can be applied. Uh, shame on any person says, well, when you get to 2 million, then you had to do this. And when you got this many people, salespeople, then you want to get a sales manager. Now it's different for everybody. And you'll find your way through it on your own. Everybody does. You know, it's just like perhaps the first time you had sex. Hate to take the conversation in that direction, but it's not like there was a rule book or a manual. You just kind of figure it out as you go. You know, and, and the same thing with, with business, but the mindset's got to be one of which, how do I get out of this? As long as you're constantly thinking and deliberating on, it'll just, through osmosis, it'll just happen naturally. You'll get out of the field from being a, a selling guy to being a sales manager, then from a sales manager, hiring somebody to backfill that position. And then right on up to the point that, you know, you get to where I was, you know, some, you know, five years ago, I purposely said, all right, I don't want an office in my building. Yeah. You know, as you're aware of it, I just, you know, want to take myself out of the business altogether, still have my fingers on the pulse of it. I mean, there's weekly BPR meetings every Thursday, but that's it. You know, that's I'm watching it more than I'm participating in it. Yeah. So let's wrap up with talking about profitability your and my favorite topic. So one of the things that, well, first off, you're going to be back at Accelerate again. I got to do a pitch plug, whatever for Accelerate. Mark will be back again. Mark is, and I've said this before, but Mark is one of, I, I think one of the only people that I have found in the home improvement industry that can actually explain and teach people what it is to be profitable in a home improvement business. Here's what it looks like. Here's how you set it up. Here's how you manage it. Here are the numbers. And that's why I asked him, I mean, it was like, wow, you know, he came to Accelerate, I think it was the first time, it was three years ago. I had you do a presentation on this topic and I was just blown away. And I came to you later and I said, hey, why don't we take this and expand it and create a workshop out of it? And we did. We created the two-day profit workshop, which has been amazing the last couple of years. It, the last the last year sold out in like, I don't know, six weeks or something like that, like two months ahead of time. I mean, I imagine the same thing will happen again next year, but you'll be at Accelerate to talk about the fundamentals of profitability. But we talk about 15 to 20%, 15 to 20%. You know this figure, and I, I think I've said it here before, but according to a survey that was done by Dave Yoho of thousands of home improvement companies, 41% of the companies surveyed had a pre-tax net profit of 3% or less, 3% or less. So to put that into context, so these companies that you see out there, not to disparage anybody, but these companies out there that are doing 20 million, 30 million that you guys are, like me, used to be impressed with, I'm not that impressed anymore because I know the reality of it. You're doing 20 million and putting three points to the bottom line. You're making less money than clients I have that are doing four and 5 million with 15 to 20% net profit. And so how important is a focus? Again, it's a focus and a mindset. How important is focus on profit, but also the engineering of profit? Well, I immediate response is supreme what what possibly could be more important than that you know i mean well and again well and again mark sorry to interrupt you i knew your answer because 
Too many business owners, as you and I both know, too many business owners accept whatever profit the business will give them rather than starting with profitability in mind, engineering it. That's interesting. Well, what you just laid out is the proverbial uh, tail wagging the dog. Exactly. Right? So yeah. Let me just jump into business and have a business because I want a business to be a business owner, and then we'll see. We'll see what falls out. You know, we'll see what chips fall where, and you know that uh, would scare the bejesus out of me. I don't know that I'd get much sleep at night going into a, any kind of a business with with that mindset. But you know, I think people that do do that, it can be quite sobering. You know, entrepreneurs sometimes get into business because they're risk takers, they're gamblers, right? A lot of people in our industry don't have, they're not graduated from Harvard or what have you. They got a high school education and they have a, a driving motivation in their heart, mind, and soul. And they are willing to roll the dice and gamble and believe in themselves. And they, these are good traits. I mean, this is at the very heart and core of every entrepreneur. But they, they miss that cerebral component sometimes. And that's after they're in the business for three or four years and you're getting your tail end handed to you and thinking, hey, this is a little harder than what I thought. That's where then, and we see it all the time, you do, I do with clients, that uh, people become very resourceful and they want to learn. And that's what you, through G4 Marketing and uh, through Accelerate, bring to the table. It's, it's a great forum for that type of... Uh, Harvard business education as it relates to our business. Only you don't have to dedicate four years and $120,000 a semester to go through it. But yeah, and, and there's an education, you know, that needs to be had through accounting, through fundamental business math. So yeah, that's, that's what's very transformative for our industry right now. Yeah. Well, and you and I have been talking about it for years and years and years. And I think now we finally, people are listening. I'm hearing more and more about being profit focused rather than being revenue focused. And so it's exciting to see because, you know, my contention is this, this really is one of the toughest businesses to be in. There's so many moving parts and the value that you bring to the marketplace is not one that you should discount. You are such a valuable part of the marketplace, replacing windows, improving homes, you know, repairing, replacing roofs, redoing people's bathrooms, kitchens, plumbing, HVAC, all of it. It's such valuable. And it goes back to one of the first things that you said in this conversation is what is the business we're in? We're in value add, a value add business. We're in the business of creating value out in the marketplace and selling that value and I think people discount themselves way too much. And hopefully you and I will help to make some dent in that and help change that by the things that, you know, we get to do. Well, looking forward to Accelerate in February. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Mark, for being here. For those of you that are, you know, Mark, at, at the, we're in the middle of December, we are already, we've got about 30 spots left for Accelerate, which is pretty exciting. We're way ahead of where we were last year. We are in a bigger room, so we'll have more people, but it's going to be a great event. If you don't have a ticket yet, you can go to accelerateevent.com, accelerateevent.com, 
And if you use, I'm going to give you a coupon code here. If you use coupon code WEALTHY23, WEALTHY23, you will save, I think it's a hundred bucks on your ticket. You will see Mark and Mark will present again on here's how you make money in this business. And again, he does it in a way that is easy to understand. And it's a very, very popular presentation. And we will do it every, every year because more and more people need to hear your message and see your system. And make no mistake, I mean, Mark has a system for everything, including profitability. And so he'll share that system with you. So thank you, my friend. As always, I appreciate you being here and everything that you do for, for me and for the community. And to everybody listening, until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian.